The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Joe Polizzi, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal in this podcast is to help you discover the most effective marketing ideas to grow your business. Don't worry about taking notes. I'm going to do that for you, and you can find them at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, I'm joined by Joe Polizzi, and we're going to talk about his most recent book, Epic Content Marketing, How to Tell a Different Story, Break Through the Clutter, and Win More Customers by Marketing Less. Joe Polizzi is the founder of Content Marketing Institute, which is the leading education and training organization for content marketing, including the largest in-person content marketing event in the world, which is Content Marketing World. Joe has co-authored two other books, Get Content, Get Customers, and Managing Content Marketing. Joe's third book, Epic Content Marketing, was recently named one of five must-read business books by Fortune Magazine. Joe not only writes one of the most influential content marketing blogs in the world for Content Marketing Institute, he also writes a column for Entrepreneur.com and LinkedIn. You can also hear Joe on his podcast, This Old Marketing, with his co-host, Robert Rose, which, by the way, I have listened to every episode. (laughs) Joe also recently launched his own podcast called Content Inc., a -a twice-a-week short-form podcast designed to teach you one key marketing lesson in each episode. If you ever see Joe in person, he'll be wearing orange, and he is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. Joe, congratulations on Epic Content Marketing, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Douglas, thank you so much. That has to be the longest introduction anyone's ever given me, (laughs) and you're the first one that added the Cleveland Browns touch, so congratulations on that. Now everybody knows my misery. (laughs) Well, my, my question, I have a client who's a, a Cleveland Browns fan. He's from uh, Akron. Are there any Cleveland Browns fans who are not diehard fans? Well, yeah, that's that's an excellent point. There there are no fair weather Cleveland Browns <laughs> fans because it's impossible to, uh, you know, we've had one winning season uh, since, uh, let's see, 2007, nine, since 99. I think we have the worst record in the National Football League, believe it or not. Uh, I think we're up to 23 quarterbacks over that time, and it doesn't look any better going forward. So it's I don't even know what to do next year. I'm a season ticket holder. I don't. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I was I felt better about it last year because we had Brian Hoyer going in. Now nobody knows if Johnny Manziel can play, but it, it will certainly be interesting. Well, and as you often say, Joe, there's always draft day. <laughs> Draft day is our Super Bowl. <laughs> isn't, that the, isn't that the worst thing to be a football? No, but we're, you know, hey, LeBron James, we're, we're Cav- I'm Cavs in Cavs mode right now. So we'll okay. see what happens. Well, that's there. exciting, too. <laughs> that's really a great story. So, Joe, 
Why did you write the book? A couple of reasons, but I'll give you the main reason is, so I wrote two books before then. Uh, first one was Get Content, Get Customers. I wrote with Newt Barrett. And the second one wrote with Robert Rose, as you said, my podcast cohort, Managing Content Marketing, which was more of an enterprise uh, book about you know, really talking about complex content marketing strategies. But as I was, you know, been out there speaking, obviously you and I met at uh, in Boston at one of my speeches, and I get the same, you know, how, you know, how do I do this? How do I get it started? What, you know, where should I look first? How do I do a strategy? Like soup to nuts, everything. And I was just like, you know, I don't even. We have all kinds of resources at Content Marketing Institute, and I don't have the book. I can't just. I wanted to say in emails and in person, and every time I get this question, I'd say, look. I'm happy to spend some time with you. I'm more than happy to answer your questions. But here's the book. I put everything I possibly know about content marketing strategy in this book. And that's why I created it. I mean, I've been, I'd worked on it for a couple of years. Blog posts went into it for a long period of time. And I really do feel that any size business can take that book and you will read it and then you will come out of it. Uh, knowing how to do a content marketing strategy and knowing what's going to make sense for your business and why you're going to do it and how you can convince your boss of it. And uh, and so that that's the biggest reason why. I didn't feel there was a book on the market available that did that or I would have recommended it. So I just said, okay. As Tony Morrison always says, I don't know the exact quote, but Tony Morrison said, you know, if you think there should be a book and there's not one, then you're the author. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so that's it. I was the author. Went and did it, and uh, I'm glad we did. And and I, I'm 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 more proud of it than I actually thought I would be, because it really does answer the question a lot of business owners have. And and the other thing I like about it, Douglas, is the fact that you could be a startup or you could be a multi-billion-dollar company, and I think you'll you'll get value out of it. No question about that. Let me take a quick look at the um, the table contents just uh, for a few seconds here. The book is 300 pages. I'm sure you made it as short as you could. But there's lots of pictures in it, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's don't get yeah don't get well, concerned about it being take too. Long, it's you know, a quick read, folks. <laughs> it, it is a quick read, and it takes you through an explanation of content marketing and why the fact that content marketing is not actually a new thing; it's just sort sort of reemerging. Talks quite a bit about two of the most important things, your niche and your overall strategy, and then a lot of uh, nuts and bolts on managing the actual process, lots of how-to, and towards the end, it talks a good bit about measuring it, which is enormously important. So before we go any further, let me ask you for your definition of content marketing. You know, real simple, I'll give you a couple definitions so that people can grasp the concept. So it's the idea of I'm going to, instead of interrupting my customers with an ad or promoting my products, I'm going to think about their needs and I'm going to create valuable, compelling, and relevant content on a consistent basis through whatever channel that might be to gain a loyal audience. Uh, Could be through a blog post, could be through podcasts like this one, uh, could be through webinar programs, could be through a print newsletter, print magazine, whatever the case is. So don't get hung up on the channel or it could be social channels, although I'm not a big fan of of those. And maybe we might talk about that in a little bit. But it's the idea that instead of renting somebody else's channel, their platform, like we've traditionally done for the last 50 years through advertising and sponsorship, we're going to build our own. We're going to build our own loyal, engaged audience. We're going to help them with their needs and pain points. And if we do that really well, over time, they're going to trust us 
and they're going to trust us so much that they're willing to buy our products and services maybe over and above any other options out there because we're giving them incredible value over a long period of time and we're not asking for anything in return. So this is all free content um, and this is basically what media companies have been doing since the dawn of time. But the difference, there's actually only one difference, Douglas, between what a media company does and what anybody else out there who's selling any kind of product or service would do with content marketing. It's just how the money comes in. So if I'm a media company, I'm going to make revenue by selling advertising or sponsorship in some way, or I'm selling that content through paid content, some kind of subscriptions. If on the other side, if I'm selling any kind of product, service, widget, Swiffer, pad, whatever the case is, I just want to sell more of my products and services. That's it. That the business model in it of itself is the same except for how we monetize it. And that's what a lot of people forget when you're thinking about, oh, I want to talk more about my products and services. I want to, um, I've got to, I've got to talk about them. So they buy, well, that's fine. There's a time and a place for product and, and service information and, and kind of, we have plenty of that. Businesses have plenty of that. We have so many sales sheets, PDFs. We, we have so much content about our own stuff that frankly, our customers don't care about at all, except for maybe the less than 1% of the time where they actually need our product. Most of the time they don't. Most of the time they don't want to pay attention to us. How do we Get them to pay attention to us the 99% of the time when they don't need our products and services. We need to create a valuable experience for them. And the best way to do that is through content creation. So we're seeing this big shift right now since consumers are in complete control. They have an informational device with them called a smartphone at all times. How do we get their attention with all this clutter going on? We better create some amazing content and we better create some, you know, try to build an audience around that so that we can have some control over our marketing. Because right now, a lot of businesses just don't have any control and they're forced to advertise or sponsor or do whatever and interrupt however they they wish to. And that's a precarious position, I think, for a lot of businesses. So that's why I love the idea of content marketing, because I think we can take some of that control back if we build an audience that trusts us so much. And then it actually opens up our the possibilities for us to sell, really, whatever we want to if we have a loyal audience. You describe content marketing as an asset rather than an expense. Can you talk about that? Building an audience is, as from a marketing, well, I mean, I come from the publishing standpoint, as you know, Douglas. I mean, I was in publishing for almost a decade before I got into this whole marketing thing. And the asset with a publishing platform is the audience. If you have an audience, if you have a, we used to call it circulation, circulation development. Now everything's audience development. If you have an audience, you can monetize that audience. That is the asset in a publishing environment. So just take that to marketing. If you create an audience, not just, I'm not talking about a prospect list or some list we buy. This is an audience that knows you, they trust you, they've opted into your communication. So let's say, what does that mean? Maybe that's just an email subscription database. They, that, you can monetize that in so many different ways. That email, that email database is of such value. And then, but, so let's look, that's one part of the asset. The second part is, if we're creating content on an ongoing basis, that's not just a one-time hit like an advertisement would be. If I send out a direct mailer or I create some kind of an advertisement in a magazine or online or let's say a Google ad, I have to monetize that right away 
I have to convert that into some kind of value for the business as soon as I send it or it's gone. Poof. Done. Well, I'll give you an example. One of my favorite blog posts that I ever wrote was called What is Content Marketing? I wrote it back in 2007, believe it or not. And I spent about two hours on it at the time. And I probably spent another two hours on it over the past eight years tweaking it. So that's four total hours of time I've spent on that. Every day, we get about 500 people going to that piece of content. Every day. I spent four hours. That is an asset for the organization. We've been able to uh, collect uh, and, and grow our audience base by you know, hundreds of people every month because of that one piece of content that has become an asset. So that's why I love it because it continues to work for the business. It continues to generate revenue ongoing and asset, other assets for the organization instead of what is not an asset, which would be like an advertisement, which if I don't see return right away, it's gone. Yes, it's almost like an annuity or compound interest. Mm-hmm. It just starts working harder exactly. and harder over time. And I would bet that for your contentmarketinginstitute.com blog, most of the traffic is probably not to content that you wrote this month, like maybe 75, 85% of that. That's exact. That's exactly right. And we actually, we're not like a BuzzFeed where a BuzzFeed is going to- And I'd like you, to thank you for that. <laughs> There are some, okay, look at, look at two, mod, two very uh, successful models, BuzzFeed and Upworthy. They get all of their, it's a big spike up, and then it goes down to almost nothing. They make all, get all their traffic, they monetize all of that off of the quick hit, these quick viral hits. That's not how most content marketing works. Actually, if it's done really well, like what yesterday, you know, the other day, Jason Miller from LinkedIn wrote a really good post on oh, the hybrid, that. That was the hybrid marketer. Yeah, he wrote yeah. a really good about this, you know, how we need to continually learn and what, what's the new, what, what is the new marketer? What is the new marketer made up of? So we get, what, probably a thousand shares off of that, and that's great, and it spikes up, but it doesn't go down. Basically, what happens is you see that dip down, and it goes down, not not to baseline, but then it starts to go up again and you'll see a nice continue, continuous flow up and then it may plateau but then you'll see every day that article will get you know 50 100 people to that ongoing depending on search and depending on you know how we've got that tagged and whatnot so that's what we try to look at we, we don't want to look at it towards okay what do we want to give some content that we send out yes it's just for today but 99 percent of it is for ongoing because, I mean, honestly, a lot of it still does come from search. I would say a good, you know, well over 50% of our traffic comes from search. So I would say that's probably a fair number. 75% of the traffic to a post in a year comes probably in the 11 months after the post was released. So I didn't hack into your analytics in case you're wondering. <laughs> you know them pretty well, though. But that's that's true. I mean, that's what we that's what we look for. It, it everything everything we create, we we think about it as an asset, just like you would think about choosing a stock. I want to choose a stock that over the long term is going to perform well and meet uh, my criteria, financial criteria. It's the same thing when we create a piece of content. Do you think at some point company balance sheets are going to include opt-in email addresses and content that a company has on their on their website? 
You know, that's a great question. No, I don't think we're going to get to that point. But I do think that we we will. And we, this is already being done today. Where, and because when I was when I worked at Pet Media, so large independent business publisher, each we had about 46, 47 B2B brands that I worked with at the time. And each one valued their readership differently. So they some some would say you know for over a year this this reader is valued at ten dollars or twelve dollars or fourteen dollars and we looked at that because we have to look at okay how much are we going to spend on requalification of those people because then you then that's the ROI so if it costs me three dollars to go out and get a new reader and I'm making over a year ten dollars that's great it's three hundred plus percent return on investment I, that's I want to see that all day long. So I don't think we're going to get down to a financial statement, but I do think, and we can do this now, you can actually value what is the value of a subscriber. And it just takes time to get there. But you get to 18 months, 24 months of time, you've got enough data, you can actually start to show. And this is the question you ask. So for anybody listening, once you get an opt-in, let's say you get an opt-in email subscriber. The question you want to ask is, what is the difference between that person that subscribes to my content versus those that don't? And you can actually do that against your customer list. Take somebody that signed up. Let's say it's a customer that signed up for your email newsletter and then overlay that with your customer list. Is that do those people that read your content or opt into your content, do they behave differently? Do they buy more? Do they stay longer? Do they convert quicker? These are the things that I want to know. There's a correlation there because they're more engaged and they're much more likely to either be customers or be likely to purchase from you soon. It's so true. We know that if somebody is engaged in three or more of our content vehicles, like let's say they sign up to our online training, they read our blog posts, they go to our webinars. If they're signed up for at least three, it tips the scales for them to come to our big event, which is our big revenue generating activity. So, I mean, that so that we know that the entire team knows that. So our goal is not just to get somebody signed up to the email newsletter. It's to get them involved. We're like an octopus, right? We want to wrap them around with all of our arms and keep them close to us, give them such value, and they'll continue to basically end up buying stuff because we, that's the whole idea, right? You give them so much free content that they're willing to then spend money and invest with you. Joe, on the topic of subscriptions, can you explain why those are so much more important than chasing the, what I like to call elusive social media following. Boy, we could spend a whole session just, <laughs> just talking about that. And it's, I, as you know, I go around, part of my speech is always about the idea of building your, your content house on, uh, on rented land. And I think that's what a lot of businesses do. And rented land being a social media platform rather than their own property. That's exactly right. And by the way, nothing wrong with if you can make a business correlation between somebody that likes your page or is a follower of yours on Twitter, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we want to build those audience as well, but we build those audiences because we want to convert those people into opt-in email subscribers. And the reason is because all those connections, let's say that you have 10,000 followers on Facebook and, and 10,000 followers on, on Twitter, whatever you want to call them. Same thing on LinkedIn. Let's, let's use all three, the big trifecta. That's great, except for the fact that you don't own those connections. Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn does. And they can do whatever they want with them. So, And this is what we've seen with Facebook. So in the beginning, Facebook gave you access to them, where if you pushed out, let's say you had those 10,000 people that are fans of yours on Facebook, and they connected with you, 
great and you go ahead and promote some publish some or content on Facebook, they would see your update. Well, now today, most businesses, less than 5%, and in some cases, less than 1% of the people that fan you on Facebook see your content. And that's fine. Facebook has made it paid to play. They're a private, they're a public company. They're trying to be profitable. They can do whatever they want. It's their business model. They've created it. But we don't have to give in to that and just say, okay, that's just the way it is. I think Twitter's going to do a similar thing. LinkedIn could do a dissimilar thing. I don't know. They, but why do we want to give them so much power? And if you see publishing companies, see media companies, most media companies do not put that much power with the social media companies because they're basically competitors. They're, they're trying to build audience too. They just do it in a different way. So I would just keep in mind if you're going to focus on social channels, which is completely fine, look at what the ongoing objective should be. In our case, in a lot of companies we work with, it's to build our own audience and so that you want to create different things and different activities to get those followers to then come back to your site so they'll sign up for something that you can actually start to work on a direct communication with those people. It seems like the best mindset for dealing with social media would be to accept that it's great for sharing your content and extending your reach, but you don't own it and they may change their terms of service just like Facebook did and said, okay, now you need to pay us to reach the audience that you've built on Facebook. And it's worked very well for Facebook in terms of their own profitability. It just seems like if marketers could know that going in, that there's no there's no free lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Start with your own site and then use those other things as much as you can, but don't expect that to be your primary real estate. Well, yeah. And the, the, and the last thing I'll just say on that one, Douglas, is the fact that what scares me the most what's happened the last few years is that some experts out there would recommend to businesses to, hey, you don't have to worry about your website. Just create your identity on Facebook. And boy, is that the worst advice on the planet. If you don't own it, you can't control it. You, you, you need to know what you're getting into. And I think from here on out, if anyone comes along, any expert those are air quotes. You can't see them. They're saying just build it on social media platform X, even if it's one that doesn't exist. You need to say, yeah, but what happened with Facebook? Even if it's 20 years from now, you need to be able to say, well, wait a minute. We're not sure about that. Joe, you mentioned one word about objective, and that was one of the last questions I wanted to ask, and it has to do with measuring effectiveness. You talk a bit about ROI, return on investment, but more importantly and interestingly, you talk about ROO. Can you talk about that briefly? Oh, I love ROO. I wish it would catch on. <laughs> so the idea of return on objective, return on investment is thrown around so much. You know, it. we've talked about it before. Uh, I don't even know what it means anymore. Uh, but return on objective, I like because you have lots of different marketing objectives. So what is your business objective behind doing whatever particular thing you're going to do? And then how do you show return off of that? So let's just look at it in content marketing terms. There's lots of different reasons you might employ a content marketing strategy. It might be top of the funnel. It might be to try to get new leads in. You need new business. It might get to convert people from uh, from just lurkers into people that are actually interested in your product. It might be to get customers to stay longer with you. It might be to help educate them so they understand more about what they're getting into and may actually upsell or cross-sell them into other things. It might be to create wonderful evangelists for your company so that they spread your own content around and help you with your own marketing. 
So there's lots of reasons why. And so the, what I want to know is when I get into it is what is my objective? So be very specific about that. Is it retention loyalty? Is it lead generation? Is it to try to get uh, better, more qualified employees in? I mean, it could be lots of different reasons. And then once I understand that, then I can measure that. So what is my return off of that objective? So let's go to the customer loyalty one. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I want to figure out, okay, for the customers that they have, am I keeping them? Are they staying? Are they buying more? Are we saving costs in some way because of that? And those are things that we can measure, that we can actually do something about, which is why I go to the return on objective because it gets us focused on why we're actually doing it. Kind of back to our other conversation. I've talked to a lot of companies that are on Facebook that have no idea why they're on Facebook. (laughs) You mentioned that in the book about you ask people, they'll ask you a Facebook question and you say, okay, before I answer, why are you on Facebook? Exactly. Well, I get it all the time, right? It's like, oh, how do I get, okay, I love this content marketing thing, Joe. How do I get more people to like me and share my content on Facebook? I said, that's great. Let's have that conversation. I said, why are you on Facebook? And they look at me like a deer in headlights. I'm like, I can't help you unless I know what your reason is for using that platform. And that's why I love the exercise where you list all the different things that you do from a communication standpoint with your customers and then put a big why question mark at the top and then list the objective. And then once we do that, then we can start to figure out, okay, what metrics can we start to look at that can show whether or not we're, we're hitting home or not when it comes to that. And just that one change from ROI to ROO, I think it's so helpful because right off the bat, it forces the discussion of why are we doing this? Because I run into a lot of companies too that just say, I say, okay, great, we can help you, but what are we trying to accomplish? What are you going to measure? What is success going to look like? And there's sometimes a disconnect there. So this just gets the discussion going on that immediately. And it gets you focused because what I love about it more than anything else is more is not better when it comes to content marketing. And it gets us focused on where we need to spend our time and our resources to make the most impact on our customers and our business. So we might go through and you go through that list, you'll say, look, we're doing, the average company has 13 different uh, distribution points that they're using for content, blogs and webinars and social media and all kinds of stuff. I don't know if it should be that many, maybe less and is more and, and more focus on that. And if we can figure out maybe these things that we just don't know what we're doing or I know a lot of companies we've gone in. I said, well, why are you doing that newsletter? I said, well, we've always done that newsletter. <laughs> we've always done it that way. Well, that's not a good enough reason anymore. Inertia is one of the most powerful forces on earth, isn't it? Oh, my God. Joe, before we wrap up, let me ask you a few other marketing questions. What marketing book or other book have you read recently that you liked and recommend? I'll give you a couple, Douglas. So the one that I really enjoyed recently was Everybody Writes from uh, from Ann Hanley. It's a as if it, because nobody does writing books anymore. <laughs> so much of what we do with marketing today is writing, and I see so much bad writing. And it's a very simple book to get through, uh, but she does a great job. But the business book that I'm reading, I'm actually right in the middle of it right now, is an older business book, well, older, depending, 2011 older, is The Lean Startup from uh, Eric Rice. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm reading that specifically, as you know, because I'm working on the new book, Content Inc., uh, which is specifically targeting to small business owners and entrepreneurs on how they can go with an audience first strategy, build that audience, and then 
launch products secondarily. And I, I really wanted to get feedback from this whole lean, agile movement because a lot of what we're talking about in Content Inc. has to do with just being amazingly agile, understanding why you're doing what you're doing, and completely get, get feedback and iterate as we go instead of doing these long, drawn-out strategies. Anne Hanley's book that you mentioned was a great read, and it it really does come at a time when writing has become more important now uh, than even a few years ago with everyone being a publisher like that. The other thing about her book that I, well, amongst many things I liked was that I laughed out loud at so many parts of her book because she's a very funny writer. Oh, she's hilarious. <laughs> she could be a comedian. She really, really could. And she's got this sense of humor that if anybody's ever seen her in person, she's a sweetheart. And uh, she just comes across as so friendly. And it's, it's interesting because I just I haven't um, I we just interviewed her and actually she's coming out on the podcast um, on content. I think it's episode 18 coming up for Content Inc. And it's just a story about her introversion and how she had to overcome so much because it was so unnatural for her to get involved in certain things and take risks uh, but you're absolutely right. She's just, it's just, she's, she's a great, great storyteller. Well, the other thing about her book is that you read it, and then as I'm, and I told her this, as I'm writing, as all marketers are doing now, it's like she's there, or she's she's in a little part of my consciousness now, coaching me along, saying, "Oh, don't, remember, remember what I said about." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and I'm happy to have her there. So, are there any marketing books? on your upcoming reading list that you look forward to reading? Well, I have to say experiences from Robert Rose and Carla Johnson. We've been, I've been getting bits and pieces of it for the last six months. And I've seen Robert present literally 30 times in the past year, because as we've been on our world tour, he's always presenting this stuff and it's still fast. I learn something every time. And it's this whole idea that everything we do as in, as a company that we need to look at how we build value outside of the products and services we offer. I love that. I love that thinking. If we think about it, it's like, yes, we have, of course, we have products and services. We have to sell stuff. But how do we build value outside of that? And that's the whole idea of his book experiences, which I believe is coming out in the next month or so. So I would, you know, well, he'll be in, you know, speaking tour motion by the, the summer of 15 on that one. So I'm really looking forward to digging into that book. I'm excited about that too. I saw him speak at a conference in Arizona. He's a, he is a great presenter, a great speaker and a great co-host for your podcast. Yeah. Thank goodness because I couldn't do it all by myself. <laughs> Joe, finally, which marketing blogs do you enjoy following to keep up with the latest in the marketing world? I will, I'll mention a few Douglas, but it's, it's a lot easier for for me these days, because people like yourself and a lot of the people on the pie, I probably get seven to 10 really amazing articles from, from the audience every week that I should be paying. You realize that's just going to encourage me to send you even more. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I love it. Most of the, the, most of the content that we present on the podcast now is submitted by the audience. And I never thought that that would happen. Uh, but you know, I like, so, so general, Reads Digiday, I really love. I think it's fantastic. I think they're doing a great job. Um, I love, of course, J anything Jay Bear writes, I'm interested in. So on the Convince and Convert site, I love what he's doing. And Rand Fishkin is brilliant. 
from an SEO standpoint. I mean, he is just super smart. I'd love to have half his brain. And then just from a motivational standpoint, I, I mean, I know some people think it's simplistic, but I can read Seth Godin every day and get something out of what that guy says. It's just, <laughs> I just love it every day. He's been blogging for like 12 years in a row and he's like never missed a day. Do you believe that? I mean. <laughs> and it's amazing how short his posts tend to be. And it reminds me of the the comment. I can't remember if it was Churchill or Twain who said something like, I didn't have time to write you a short note, so I wrote you a long one. That's right. And his comments are so carefully crafted. It's amazing. Well, the art of editing is, I think, a lost form in a lot of cases. I'll tell somebody says, how long should my blog post be? So, well, generally, if you write a thousand words up front, you're probably going to cut 25% out of that if you're doing a good job editing. Most people don't. I mean, most people think more, you know, <laughs> I don't think most people think about that. If you get yourself a really good editor, you're really going to take some chunks out so you can be succinct with your ideas. But And Seth is probably the master at it. Joe, how can listeners find out more about you and your book? Easy. EpicContentMarketing.com. It has everything you need. There's a free chapter on there, too, if you want to test it out. And you can, there's links to everywhere you could possibly buy it. And then anything about me, I'm super easy to find. JoePolizzi.com. You type anything into Google, you'll probably find me. And then the business site is ContentMarketingInstitute.com, ContentMarketingWorld.com for the event. Which is in September? September. In Cleveland? September 8th or 11th this year, uh, we're expecting over 3,500 people from, we had 2,600 people from 50 countries last year, so we're expecting a bit of a boost this year. Super excited. I think we've got 11 concurrent tracks this year. It's going to be crazy, and uh, I'm knee-deep in the agenda process right now, so (laughs) that's all I think about these days. You in this event have become a darling of the Cleveland area Convention and Visitor Bureau. (laughs) We are the largest ongoing business event, annual business event in Cleveland, Ohio. So they love us. And uh, we sold out all the hotel rooms in Cleveland for the week last year. And, uh, you know, Cleveland's on the upswing. It's nice because when we first started, everybody was like, seriously, Cleveland? And now I'm not getting that much of that, Douglas. They're like, oh, yeah, I've heard good things about Cleveland. So we're work. It's working. It's, it's a lot of different things coming together. So hopefully we're part of that. But I love the city and we're just trying, doing our best. Well, and it's not just that. They could probably, I don't I haven't seen the schedule, but they might be able to stick around or come early and see the Browns play and they can go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I've been Cedar, to. Yeah, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Cedar Point. We've got one of the best museums in the, in the world, I think. Uh, and you've got... Uh, our Playhouse District, actually, there's more Broadway shows in a square mile radius in Cleveland, Ohio, than any other place in the United States except for Broadway. So most people don't realize that either. I, so, I didn't know that. Great place to see a show. Oh, and the, by the way, the food here, <laughs> I, would, I would rate it up there with any city on the planet. Uh, the food, the food uh, revolution going on here is is unbelievable michael simon if you know him from the chew the show the chew he you know he's from cleveland he's got like four or five restaurants here and it's unbelievable what's going on come for the food stay for the content (laughs) stay as long as you want we'd love to have you joe i just wanted to mention one thing a few times on your podcast you've had kind words for people who have served in the military and as a military veteran i just wanted to say how much i really appreciated that Oh, my goodness. That's uh, I mean, especially with 
everything that's gone on. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, we do. I mean, on a personal note, so you know, I've got two boys, eleven and thirteen, and almost every night when we say our you know bedtime prayers, we always say you know thank you to the to the military folks. My dad was in the army. My, uh, you know, a lot of our relations served and, uh, you know, we would, I wouldn't be able to do the podcast or do any of the stuff that we're able to do without that. So I appreciate folks in the military every day. Joe, thank you very much for being on the marketing book podcast. Thanks Douglas. Anytime. And thanks for all your support. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the marketing book podcast. Links to everything we talked about in this episode are in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And while there, make sure to subscribe to the podcast newsletter so you can get each episode's show notes, links, and resources emailed directly to your inbox on Fridays when each episode is published. This episode's show notes include videos, a free chapter from Epic Content Marketing, and links to what we talked about in the interview, including articles, books, and even the Cleveland Browns website. So let me ask you a question. Read any good books lately? I'd love to hear from you and get your recommendations. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and send me a message. Thanks for listening. Take care.